Hello, everybody. Good evening. It's Thursday night. Welcome. And we asked that question, Amelia. What's the buzz? That's my girl. Absolutely. What's the buzz? Tonight, we got a great buzz episode. This gentleman is not only a talented and debonair individual, he also happens to be a very close, dear personal friend of mine. And that makes the show even more special. But before we get to our guest, Amelia... Yes. How you been, kid? What's going on? Doing great, actually. Yeah? I've been busy, busy, busy at work. As you know, i got a challenging job. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. <laughs> you kill anybody today? Not today, thank goodness. <laughs> okay, good, good, good. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. We have an amazing show tonight. I want to introduce you to a gentleman. His name is Angelo Capone, and tonight we're going to talk about how he becomes... Jerry Lewis, you heard me right. Uh-huh. Angelo Capone <laughs> is Jerry Lewis. Um, Hello, everybody. He Hello. Uh, he looks like him. He sounds like him, and uh, and by divine intervention, by the way, he didn't really have to work at it too terribly hard. Um, uh, Angelo, we're going to get right into it tonight. Uh, we've had a lot of tribute artists here. We've had a lot of impersonators here. Let's get this right from the get go. Are you okay. a tribute artist or an impersonator? Okay. I don't consider myself either. I feel really? I, ch- I channel in. The reason why is because we share the character. Say, I'm not doing Jerry Lewis the man, and I always tell people that. I do the character, and that character was mine as a little boy. So I channel in. That's why it becomes, it's easy for me. And uh, so that word impersonator, uh, you know, I'm not in person so, uh, in, uh, taking someone on. I'm taking me off <laughs> and putting it Interesting. Out. That's really interesting, Amelia. Never heard a, a guest say that. Absolutely. We've never, Ange, we've never had someone answer quite like that. Well. You're not, I, put, you're not putting it on. You're taking you off. That's a really a, a, a very deep way to look at it um we've had guys here that have that were are adamant that they are impersonators and we've had other guys that are equally as adamant that they are tribute artists they're paying uh, our friend phil our friend phil solace uh he likes to be called a tribute artist because he's paying tribute dean right he's not becoming dean Right, but he is damn near as close to Dean as you can get. He's pretty damn good. I'm very happy with Phil and I. Yeah, yeah, and you should be. We're going to talk about that show Saturday night. Okay. Um, tonight we're going to explore a very convoluted guy. Um, he was both loved and admired and uh, revered, but he was also hated and disdained and. Uh, uh, and had a tremendous amount of resentment thrown against him. The uh, this man that w- that was beloved as the world's clown, Jerry Lewis, um, had a lot of different sides. He had a very dark side, but he yes. also had a very humanitarian yeah. side, which we all know about. Uh, we're going to explore his uh, many personalities and how you as Angelo Capone have to reconcile that character with what you do. 
So um, before we do anything, I want people to take a look at this. Amelia? Yes. Uh, I told you privately, I'm going to tell Angelo here on camera, you, my friend, uh -huh. broke the record for the amount of videos we're going to show in one way. <laughs> I've got six Angelo Capone videos tonight. We've okay. never had more than three. Don't tell. I want people to take a look at this. I want everybody <laughs> to look at this. This is Angelo Capone on the left and Jerry on the right. You'd be hard-pressed to, I mean, really, if you look at it. And, and Amelia, hell of a job finding these two pictures, by the way. Really great job. Yeah. Thank you. But look at that. Does it ever even surprise you, Ange, that, that maybe, you know, God split the DNA down the middle somewhere? <laughs> well, I, I definitely think so because, again, it's the character. You see, that's the character. And I did that character when I was a kid because he's projecting somebody that's not him. And I had to use that character to hide me. And let me tell you what. When I let's was get into that a little bit, and okay. I, I, th this is a, a time to bear your soul, yeah, yeah, because it, it, then you'll really understand. When I was six or seven years old, well, I was born already uh, at birth, I, it started. My mother, my mother was wanted to get, was felt that she was going to give birth. She went to the doctor and he said, You know what, do something to, to bring on the pregnancy. Now, this is 1954. My mother decides to wax the floor. Well, what did she do? She slips on the wax, oh. and on her stomach, she slides. I'm on. She's on her stomach. She's actually not knowing. But when I gave birth, she crushed me. So I was born. Now that my head's like this, I've got the bifocals, and I, I, you know, I'm very sorry. People are looking at my head going up, but my <laughs> nose was stuck to my face. My neck is always this way. As you can see, my veins are pulling out. Yeah, and. I wore a neck brace for a whole year because she fell and she ruptured my whole left side. Oh, wow. So for a whole year, I was in a brace that had a massage. You know, back in the day, not like today, the selfies and the men could go in the pregnancy room. And our day, the fathers had to sit outside and smoke 50,000 cigarettes before they get in there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so when my mother asked, how's the baby look? He went, I don't know. And, you know, he was doing Jerry without even knowing he was doing Jerry. Yeah. He says, his nose is stuck to his face. And she got scared, but there was the beginning of a disorder. Now, if you know, Jerry plays this disorderly, orderly. He played a disorderly character. Yeah. So there's, there's the beginning of my disorder before I even knew anything. So six, seven years old, my father was a film buff. And we used to watch Evan Costello, the Marx Brothers. And there was Dean and Jerry. Now, you know, in our day, we didn't have sound. Everything was... The vision, yeah. You had a, you you actually made out. You made the vision what you wanted to see when you seen Abbott Costello, when you seen Jerry Lewis, when you seen the Marx Brothers. You put in your own imagination to them because you didn't hear them talk. You didn't. Well, here I was watching a guy doing my faces, yeah, and my moves because I was this clumsy kid. I was this kid that couldn't get out of my own way. And yeah. being that kid, I wasn't accepted around the kids in the sandbox because I was a little different. 
Okay. And I knew that. Then I go, uh, as I'm getting a little older, now I'm six, seven, and, and my speech ain't good. And my mother, you know, they, they went to, you know, in those days, you know, we didn't know until years later, not right away like they have today. Well, to find out that I was dyslectic and me being dyslectic to the extreme, I was illiterate. So I didn't know how to read. I couldn't pick up a page or a book and know what it said. So what did it do to me being this clumsy kid, being yeah. this kid that felt that I wasn't accepted? Now I know I'm not like the rest of the kids. Yeah. But the Jerry character, the comedy, the faces, the, the silliness I brought into my life to hide my tears. Because I was crying yeah. that whole time. I was in fear. I didn't want anybody to know yeah. who I was. Because in the odd day, everything was about education. It was about going to school and, you know, is your kid this? Is your kid that? Well, I was always in the slow class. And in those days, you know, we didn't have the titles. It was just slow and advanced. Yeah. So I was always the slow kid. But you're, you're, you are talking... <laughs> You're you're talking a, a language I know very very well. Um, okay. You and I, <laughs> and then my voice is cracking a little because I'm getting a little emotional. Okay. Uh, you're you've just described my childhood to me. Oh wow, that's yeah. You know, you know and doing this, Jerry is like I wanted. You know, it's so funny. The the nutty professor. If you remember really what the movie was really about, it wasn't about him getting the girl. It was about him being somebody that he wasn't. Exactly. And in the end, he, he proved to the world that he could be liked and he could be loved and he could be an asset. That's what that movie really was about. When he's transforming into Jerry, mm -mm. into uh, the, the buddy love, into the nutty professor, yeah. he's changing in front of them. He's showing the world, like, this is who I really am. And now that I'm exposed, I'm not ashamed. Because yeah. I can't hide from myself. And he was telling the world, be who you are. And that character, you could imagine when I'm nine years old, as I told you the story at nine years old, I went to go see the Nutty Professor. And I'm not doing the voice yet of Jerry. I'm just doing his faces. I'm, I'm naturally being him. But, you know, I had to, I gotta, I had to get that. Boy, I had to be 100% him because... I was fooling with that character. I had to make it 100%. I couldn't do it halfway. So as I was watching that character, what hit me was the, how he got the character, the, how he got the voice was he always used the word naturally. But when the character was talking about don't be somebody you're not is when I said, actually, I uh, really, I, I just came into the, the nutty because yeah. it hit me. It just affected me like, wow. He's talking to me. Yeah. Now I'm nine years old. Yeah. And in that movie, it was me and Jerry. That was it. You know, and that's when everything started for me. And that's I remarkable. realized that I had to hide behind the character, but I had to learn how to have confidence in myself as I go. It was, look, it was the hardest road I ever took in my life. And the, the, the joke about it is I graduated. And I still today had to be the grace of God that made me graduate because I don't know how I did it. I got yeah. <laughs> every day you. of my life, every day of my life. When I was playing stickball out in the street in Brooklyn, 
when Mike Tudor came, I would say, guys, I got to go help my mother with the groceries. Yeah, I had a lot. Yeah. Go in there, get my hour two to come back and play stickball. Nobody ever knew. Even till today, nobody ever knew I was getting tutored every day of my life. That's incredible. Amelia, questions for Angelo Capone. Hello. I was having some uh, difficulties there for a second. <laughs> some microphone issues. Uh, going back uh, when you were a little kid, I know that you uh, you were used to perform for your mom. Uh, and would you did you ever perform for like the neighborhood at all when you were growing up? No or high school. No, no. I would just do it when the when the moment came as a funny thing. So when I left the scene, they would say, "Oh, Enzo, he's funny." See, oh, I really? would make that my I would make that my my aura instead yeah. of being the the boy who can't read or the boy yeah. who's slow. So I would use that little funny thing to make them always remember me that way. But oh, I never, I never did Jerry Lewis to anybody. No, I did it in high school yeah. when I started, when my friends started to discover that I was doing Jerry. And those friends, we were together at nine years old. We're still together 55 years later. There's 23 of us. We're still together. They don't even know. Some of my, that, most of them don't even know my story about me being uh, dyslectic and illiterate because I don't need to tell it. Only when yeah. I feel I should tell it, when there's the need to tell it. But I don't need to uh, uh, knock on doors and say, hey, you know who I was then? It doesn't matter. Yeah. Because they well, I'll tell you what, I think it's critically important that mm -hmm. you do tell it. Yeah. And the reason I think it's important because that's an inspiration to people who Absolutely. may have experienced. Yes. Something that you have. Uh, yeah. I, I know personally, I'll, I'll share it at the end of the show. I yes. went through exactly what you went through. Um, uh, almost <laughs> scary, almost identical. Mm -hmm. um, wow. Almost identical. Uh, it's an interesting thing. So you grow up and you, you have this already you're living a double life. You're living half a lie and half your truth. Yes. At what point in your life, Ange, did you embrace your full truth? Uh, I would say somewhere when I was hitting, i say 40, 45 years old. Oh, wow. Much later oh. in life. Yeah, because I still was trying to find out who, wh what I could do. So when I hit 33 years old, I got a city job and I had a good career. So from 33 to 40, I was developing that I was okay now in life. Not that I was the kid who had to find out the way I was before. What am I going to do? I can't do this. I can't do that. You know, I always feared yeah. that I would, even, even as a young child, I wanted to be an entertainer my whole life. I wanted, but how am I going to, how am I going to get a script? How am I going to be conducted in a way that they want me to do? Because they're going to say, well, here, read this and do this or, yeah. or follow this. How am I going to do that? I, I, I couldn't see what was on that paper. Yeah. So what happened was at 40, 45, I started to stay in the place that all right, I'm developing as this as tradesman, building the city streets. And, uh, and I, I was that labor type guy, but I had knowledge of, of, of learning then that I... I was more of a leader that I never knew versus I was yeah. a follower. So that leadership was developing. Believe it or not, it took when I retired at 62, my wife says, hey, now that you retire, why don't you go do Jerry? 
And it, when she said that, I panicked for a moment. I went, how do I do that? She says, <laughs> she says, Angela, you'll know how to do that. Yes. And when yeah. she said that, everything came in place. My leadership took over because I never thought I could lead. I never thought I could be in leadership, but I am. I know I could do that. And oh my God. So the best thing I know to do is lead myself. Absolutely. Lead my, yes. Lead myself and then. If I have someone following me, I'll just let them know in that way because I'll be more humble to to them because I needed to be humble to myself. Absolutely. Yeah. It's remarkable to think that the the background that you describe is the man that's sitting in front of me today. I had the pleasure of spending time with, uh, with you this weekend um, in a social setting, very relaxed environment. You will never convince me that you had that background unless you spoke to me privately about it. And, and, and we talked about this, I should tell people in the interest of full disclosure, what you're hearing Angelo speak tonight is absolutely true. We spoke about this privately uh, on another episode that you will see uh, later September, uh, probably early October, that I did with Angelo and Phil Solis uh, at a, um, a Dean Martin, Jerry Lewis tribute show. And it was a good one. And we got some little bit of film clip to show you. Um, before we do that, um, I want to talk about, you, you talked about a moment ago, leading you don't seem to me to be a guy lacking in confidence. Um, and, and if you were, you were a really damn good actor. <laughs> no, well, what it was, Angela, it took a long time to convince myself. I, I didn't have confidence. I, I, I never had confidence. I, I, was a per I was a kid that always put myself last before I even, even discussed maybe being second or third or fourth. I just go yeah. last because when you're living in, in a world of confusion, when you live in a world that's dark where, where you know everybody's advancing and you're still, be, you're still in the caboose of the train, yeah. it, it's very hard to say, wow, one day I want to be the conductor. So you really yeah. have to fight your way. I fought my way to, 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 to get there. But again, I got I got to give God. You know, I'm a Christian, and I gave I give all my glory to God. He helped me understand that Amen, He brother. created me. He created me. So by create, when I came to that understanding, it actually helped me that I'm okay. I just got to believe in myself, and that's what I wasn't doing. And that that's many people out there. They don't believe in themselves. Yeah, and that changes a whole direction in your life. I want people to take a look at the a little video clip here. We're going to. That's why we got a lot of video tonight. Uh, take a look at this. This is this is Ange.
that bit. I have to tell you, that's always been one of my favorite bits. Um, Just to stop you there for a second, Angie, I never rehearsed a day in my life. (laughs) You know what? I have to tell you, I read somewhere. In fact, I, I heard something tonight. Jerry Lewis didn't like to rehearse either. Nope. He liked to have a little guideline, and that was it. That's me. A, a basic under, you know, basic understanding of what you were going to do. Well, the guideline is 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 that music. That's the guideline. That's what he did. See, Jerry and I share another thing. I'm a musician. I've been I've been a drummer since I'm seven years old. When my uncle discovered wow. that I was a drummer, I play percussions, the volleys, congas. Music is was my life to escape. Yeah. Sit behind the drums, go in the back, and I don't have to say anything. I don't have to and the drums was my 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 mission of to escape. You're Jerry blowing my music. mind here. <laughs> You're blowing my mind here. <laughs> okay. Because okay, I'm a drummer. And it's funny, we're and we're both Angelo. So what's the other uh-huh, two Angelos? <laughs> right. There's so, no accidents in life. This is called Synchronicity. Yeah, absolutely. I I still remember my drum teacher's name. His name was Mike Dorenzi. Mm -hmm. He played in a doo-wop group back in the 50s. What was funny with me is when I, both sides of my family grew up together. My grandfather lived across street from my other grandfather. Both sides of my family grew up together, and we were all musicians. I was the only drummer. And the mind blow was my uncle got me to set of drums, a two piece, just to start me out seven years old. By eight years old, I was going to a teacher. Now, mm-hmm. how am I going to, how am I going to read music when I can't even read words? So, yeah, the, music, exactly. so the teacher <laughs> says to me, Angela, are you having a problem? So I, I explained it to my father. Yeah. So I tried five, six times with him. In that course, we found out that we were cousins. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, and he said to me, Angel, I'm going to tell you something that I would never tell anybody. Just go do what you feel, and you'll do it right. Because that yeah. problem is going to get it. If you try to push the problem away, it will only get you an error. So do what you feel. Yeah. So I did that, and that's what I did with Jerry. When I heard the music, I felt it. When I do the cigar bit, I feel I I have never rehearsed a day in my life. I mm-hmm. just feel. Then I realized watching Jerry because he loves music. He's just feeling the music. That's all. He I'll does. tell you what. Yeah. You know, it's it's remarkable. Um, I watched an interview recently. I did a lot of research in preparation preparation for the show. Comedy has a musical timing to it that people don't realize. Amen. And unless you're familiar with comedy and unless you're familiar with timing and music and the the tempo, the way things roll, everything in comedy has a beat to it. There's always a beat to it. Especially how we grew up with comedy. Because today today is stand-up. It's a dialogue. Yeah. See, I'm not a dialogue. I'm not a stand-up. I don't do dialogue. Yeah. I do. I do a skit. I do. I don't have a punchline. My yeah, punchline exactly. as soon as I walk out, and when I walk, when I walk in, and when I walk out. Yeah. That's the punchline. Well, I'll tell you what. Some of the greatest acts in show business 
never had scripts no, and no. just winged it. I'll give you a perfect example. The Marx Brothers. Right. The Ritz Brothers. The Three Stooges. Right. Laurel and Hardy. Martin and Lewis. Right. Abbott and Costello. And that's just off the top of my head. Okay? With a whole You'd different be world. Hard, yeah, a whole different world, brother. You'd be hard-pressed today to find anybody who can even compare to any of those guys. They, no right. one goes on stage anymore no. unless the, everything's written out, blocked out, timed, tempoed. Uh, they wait for their cue. They wait for their other well, their, if, font, their, their entrance if, cue, if their really, exit really, cue. Uh-huh. And if you really know, stand-up, they don't tell jokes. It's a story. No. No. They're, not, they're, no. they're, not the, they're not the Buddy Hackett's or the Jan Murray's, the uh, Myron Cohen who had brilliant jokes. They're not joke tellers. They're storytellers. No. Exactly. So you don't need a rhythm to a story. Right. But a joke you do because it's got to it's got to come in play. Like follow yeah. the, we used to watch Mitch Miller follow the the bouncing ball. Yeah, it has rhythm. to have a tempo yes. to it. Absolutely. Right? It has. Here's a. You mentioned a moment ago the cigar bit. It's interesting that you said that because that's the next clip up. <laughs> okay. Test one, two. Test, test, test one, two. Test. I love it. That is a great, great bit. Here's the, the, the remarkable thing. And I want people out there listening. I want you, I want you to hear what I'm saying. 
the first two clips we saw, think about something. Not a word was spoken. None. Not a single word. Not a single word was spoken. That was a master class in pantomime. Exactly. Jerry was a pantominer. Yeah. Yeah. He was the first pantominer that hit the stage. Nobody was like him. No. But now let's go back to me. I couldn't talk. I couldn't read. So pantomiming was came easy to me. It was easy. Yeah. Because I, I didn't have to worry about what I was gonna say, how I'm gonna put my words, or yeah. So I would just use the pantomime. And I did that at nine, ten years old. I was pantomime. Well, Ange, let me ask you a question right along those lines. Go ahead. Where did you learn to develop the timing of pantomime? Well, because it's again, again, it it's the music. Yeah, I'm playing it. I'm playing it on the drums. Yeah. I'm playing it. Yeah. That's the whole trick for me. I'm playing the song. That's remarkable. It really, really is. Amelia, questions for Angelo Capone. Yeah, that was so wonderful watching you do that. And did you ever like pick up certain props that you were going to actually do your shows with? They're like, oh, yeah, I saw this. I'm going to do it with this or something like that. Well, I just do what, see, if you notice what I did there, mm-hmm. so I'm, I, what I do is I decided to create the character of the Jerry Lewis characters. Mm-hmm. The Nutty Professor is was, is Julius Kelp. So what mm-hmm. I do today, see, what I do with that, the Aaron Boy and the Bell Boy, two different movies. Yes. I yeah. put the Bell Boy with the Aaron Boy and did the cigar bit. So I created my own creation there mm-hmm. so i am i have a visual look besides just doing the cigar they're relating like oh he's the bell boy now but it's the bell and the errand boy together and that's stanley mm-hmm. stanley kelp i make every one of my characters a kelp absolutely so I keep yeah. it in the family and that's how yeah. i i just i have 51 they're, they're all videos. related yeah I, I, keep the, <laughs> I have 51 videos on youtube they're all kelps Oh, so sure. I keep it in the family. Absolutely. Um, I had the pleasure of seeing you perform this weekend. I have to tell you that uh, our previous guest, Phil Solis, a remarkable Dean Martin tribute artist, and, and a hell of a nice guy, too, by the way. Yeah, he's a good guy. Uh, Phil's a really, really great guy. Um, I had a chance to see Angelo and Phil perform this weekend. Um, interesting, my wife didn't want to come to the show. Because she thought, oh, it's going to be just a, a another boring, you know, tribute show. She's seen a million of them. <laughs> so we went. My wife had a, a very different change of tune when we left that building that night. Uh, especially when you're going to see later on in this show why. Um, and uh, and she she and my wife loves to laugh and she doesn't laugh enough. But I'll tell you what, we laughed our asses off that night. And I had a ball. Um, you and Phil never worked together before that night. That was the first show. And the oh. first show, they with a, like a razor thin rehearsal time. Okay. Re- I mean, and I mean razor thin rehearsal. Hey, remember, he lives in Virginia and I'm in New yeah. Jersey. Yeah. So what we're doing now is how we rehearse. 
Yeah, over the internet. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you going like doing Zoom? Is that what you're doing? Yeah, we Zoom and then we then we just talk it out on a regular phone. That's wow. funny. That, I wish I lived up there closer. Who, that's, that's the remarkable thing about technology. As yeah. much as I hate technology because it mm -hmm. can be our bitter enemy from time to time. Exactly. Right? It does right. bring the world a hell of a lot closer. It oh, really, really it, does. It, 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 it's it saved um, me. Yeah, it saved me being with people. Yeah. It's yeah, great. I mean, we have an we have a worldwide audience that we wouldn't have had were it not for this contraption called the internet. Yeah. Uh, and I'm and I'm grateful. Don't get me wrong. I'm grateful every day. Um, yep. the show was called Angelo Capone Becoming Jerry. So. Angelo, if you will, show us how you become okay. Mr. Jerry Lewis. Absolutely. When I was nine years old, I wasn't doing any voice yet as Jerry. I did the nutty, believe it or not, before Jerry because I couldn't hear the tone. But once I did, once I did the, the nutty, I heard the tone. Then, let me just put on this wig and believe it or not this is when i only feel when i don't have a wig on i i don't channel but as soon as i put a channel i just i i don't know i just want to just be jerry because <laughs> that's what i've been doing my whole life and when i did this and the, and the girl would look at me i would just be like yeah i don't i'm just fooling around this is who i am i got the attraction so then when she came over now i was dean believe it or not I, I have a mixed, I have a mixed uh, uh, character in me because I really wanted to be the dean because no girl is gonna be with this guy because in the movies he really had to find his, find his way with the girl like this and then they accepted him but I really didn't want to be accepted this way then I would go right into dean I would just be myself you know and I, yeah. I, I would bring that confidence level that yeah it's okay and they will only think about oh this fun here and my whole approach is fun. I want to have yeah. fun. I want people to smile. Why? I know what it was not to smile. And that Amen. man made me mm -hmm. smile, but realizing that we Absolutely. share the same character. I and saw... then I would, just, I would always just be this person. I, I don't know. I just feel, I, mean, I go somewhere and, and I just do this. I walk in a place like, hey, I didn't know you're over there. Okay. And, <laughs> and you know what's, what's great about this character? They know who I am right away. I don't it's have to explain who I am. Yeah. I saw an interview tonight, Ange. What's that? I, I saw an interview tonight, Ange, with Jerry Lewis. Right. Uh, I didn't know. There was something I found out tonight I did not know. Um, I'm curious to see whether you know this or not. Okay. Uh, the Nutty Professor, according to Jerry, the Nutty Professor was based on Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Yes. <laughs> yes, that's the movie version. But I'm going to tell you the real story how it happened. Believe it or not, 1953, he's with Dean Martin. Yeah. He's with Dean Martin. So think about that. They're yeah. on a plane. And he's looking at this guy who has this professor-looking look to him. The same story I heard tonight. Go ahead. And he heard him talk. And he had a tone. Now, he said, I couldn't get his tone. But he heard something. Now, here's the mind blower. Ten years later, that tone actually uh, 
came in. And that's yeah. how Nutty Professor came in. Now, here's the other mind blower. He had that look. And what was that look? In 1953, also, he's doing the Colgate show with Dean. Yes. And he comes out and does the typewriter for the very first time. Everybody thinks he did it in the movie, Who's Minding the Mint for the very first time? No. Yeah. He did it with Dean in 1953, and he came out as a crazy conductor. With yeah. crazy hair and like almost the nutty look. So yep. all he did was add, he had to change something. Because what he did in 1963, that was brilliant for him. And it Jeez. paid off to be his best character. He needed a change from the little boy. From yeah. the guy that he was playing, the little boy with Dean. The ladies man. Uh, uh, the bellboy. He was still in that character with Dean. Yeah. So he put... The plane with Dean, that man's look, that face, that look at, at the uh, typewriter when he first did it on Colgate, and he developed the Nutty Professor, and that's how the movie came. Now, the yeah. mind blower was the storyline. And he yeah. said, What am I gonna do? How am I gonna how am I gonna trans make this transparent to the people that I have to be this other person because he was just being what I am now. All right. This is who he was all the time. Yeah. So that's when he thought of Buddy Love. And mm -hmm. Buddy Love was the, and it had nothing to do with Demon. People try to bring that in. I was just about to ask you that. A lot of people, Angelo, right. think that Buddy Love was kind of a mock of right. Dean Martin. Mm -hmm. uh, no. I, I heard that tonight. The, no. It had nothing to do. It had not had nothing, nothing to do with to, that. He the was just other trying thing, to be I mean, I was gonna say the other thing that Jerry did that was absolutely brilliant, yeah, changing a simple nuance like his teeth. Yeah, <laughs> he had the overbite, yeah. he put the uh you know the the, the choppers in. Uh-huh. Right. And and, we're gonna, and, I want Angelo to, to do and, this. I want and him the, to. And the, and the, see, when I was a kid, I would have very bad teeth that would fall out of my mouth. And then when my wife said, you know, go do this, I said, I got to go to a dentist. I got to yeah. go really hit a dentist. <laughs> and that's what I did. I hit a dentist. And when I told him that I needed false teeth and, and be Jerry Lewis, I had two guys were fighting over who's going to give it to me. So I took them both. <laughs> I took them both. So it starts out with the, the hair different. It's flat. It's almost like Mo from the Three Stooges. Yes. Because it he was well. short cropped. <laughs> then the glasses were the the very uh elite type professor type look. Yes. Mm -hmm. this, this wasn't an everyday glasses look. No. Then Kiakalady come in and Right. All you need there is that little, and it, it actually brings you to that voice. It just brings you there. And when you had to keep that voice, you got to use the word actually, because he used it throughout the whole movie because yeah. it, it brought actually. him there again and actually would just bring you there just naturally. And you pointed something out Saturday night to me that I ne that never thought about. Yeah. He doesn't say, well, actually, Miss Party. He says, well, actually. It's right. very low key. Yeah, very, very out key. here, very low. Well, I actually would rather because he's a, he's thinking. He's a thinking yeah. man. 
He's uh, actually really, I'm just thinking what I really have to say, and I would just want you to know. And when I when I got that voice in 1963, the first thing I did when I came back out of, from the movies, I ran. My mother was a seamstress, and I ran into her room. I I was creating. I was creating right there, but I didn't do this the nutty professor blowing I my. I was doing Jerry and getting this voice. I came to actually. I this voice. I just would go high, and that's how I just found me. I I got Jerry right there. So there you I go. Yeah. That was on wheels, and I was pretending that this is my first skit. That I was in Macy's window, and the manager said, <clears throat> "Take that woman mannequin and dress her." This is in front of Macy's window for the whole world on Fifth Avenue to see. So you right. can imagine how I was dressing a woman who was real to me, who was actually <laughs> fake. And that was my first skit at nine years old. Now, that's hilarious. did I ever use it? Till this day, I never used it. But I want to one day recreate what I did because it's on wheels, and I go from one end to the room, sliding. Then it being a busty woman, you know, Jerry doesn't want to touch. He just, you know, <laughs> yeah, grandpa and, and and place how he doesn't know how to do that. That was my first skit, and and I never used it. I never, even now, the five years that I'm doing Jerry, and really in five years, I'm only doing Jerry three years because we were down for COVID for two and a half years. Yeah. So well, 2015 to 2000, the beginning of 2018. Is when I went out and I did a Rat Pack show with the guys. We went to Florida and I yeah. did my Jerry. Mm -hmm. Then we were shut down. So Your synchronicity tonight is mind-blowing. Because, again, you mentioned COVID. And I'm going to show Melvin Kelp mm -hmm. giving a public service announcement. But you said something else that blew my freaking mind. <laughs> Your mother was a seamstress. Yes. So was mine. Ah! Oh, no. <laughs> what was your... But what was your father? If not, my father was a waiter. My father was a butcher. <laughs> oh man! So he, my father it's a service worked, business. My father worked his entire life in the racetracks and restaurant business. He owned three restaurants. Beautiful. I lost him in January to, to COVID. Oh, wow. of all things. But let's take a look at this from been coming on a video. They asked me to come out and. Give this a little thing about what I could speak of is distancing yourself. As you could see, I'm a, a ballet man. I take the cars. I happen to get very close to them while they take their keys. So they said, you could probably tell them about distance yourself with others. I noticed going into the stores, they have markers on the floor three to six feet away. So I'm here to tell you, just be very careful. Don't get close to people because when they cough, they don't get it. They're not in the habit of putting their arm. They're in the habit of just coughing. <laughs> and they don't go for the arm, which is, you know, it's normal. We will, we take everything for granted. But now we just got to be very careful. So right now I'm not working. So they asked me to come out here and do what I'm supposed to do. Uh, Melvin, that's my name. Sorry, that's my name. I could hear somebody say Melvin. Melvin? <laughs> well, anyway, right now, like I said, I'm not working. I, uh, I'm i thinking about changing jobs. I always wanted to be like a stand-up comedian. But, you know, I don't know if it could be. You know, it's it's a, it's a very hard business. There's a lot of comics out there. Uh, so, uh, 
Well, let me try one. Maybe I'll try. Did you hear about the woman who went to the, the dentist? And the dentist said, I have to pull that tooth out. She says, I'd rather go through pregnancy than do this. Well, he says, make up your mind. I got to adjust the chair. <laughs> well, see, it's things like that. Little jokes like that. Humor. Not dirty. Not, there's nothing dirty about it. There's nothing dirty about it. Like, you know, I always dream about women because, you know, I'm not a ladies' man. I'm a car man. I know my cars, but I don't know my ladies. You know, I always dreamt of having a woman be in, in my life. I even dreamt of having two. One to clean and one to cook. <laughs> Dirty mind, I know where you were going. But anyway, uh, I mean, imagine having two right now with the right, you can't, can't even get close. But again, stand up. You know, I'm, I was thinking about it, but you know, I, I got to do my job. I, I like taking some service and taking care of people. Parking cars is very important. You know, their car is a big investment, and I'm very good at it. I don't make sure nobody gets hurt or or no one uh, uh, finds their car damaged when they come to me. So we just got to continue to just press on and do what we have to do and, and, and make sure that we're all in on this together to fight the enemy that is unseen here and make sure... We do what we're supposed to do. So I thank you for this public uh, uh, announcement that I'm making with the rest of my my, my aunt Flo, my uncle Nutty, my uh, cousin Julius too, and there was baby Julius who came on. You know, we have cousins and nephews all over the place. So I thank you again for your service and your and your kindness, and uh, hope to see you soon. That was a good one. <laughs> the entire time. <laughs> Here's the remarkable thing, Amelia. Uh -huh. The entire time Angelo did that, not mm -hmm. one mention of the word COVID. Mm -mm. Not once. No. That's remarkable. I and couldn't you know, stop and, laughing. That was that, a good one. That, that whole thing was ad-libbed. Mm -hmm. I absolutely believe that. I, I don't have it. any trouble believing I that. I just go with it. I, I go, I, I, you know, ad-libbing they think is the hardest thing to do. Ad living is the easiest thing to do because mm -hmm. what what are we doing right now? We're ad living. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. We're, we do it. We're talking. Conversation mm -hmm. is is talking. So Absolutely. I'm just talking coming from that character, and having that character, I could bring up anything because that character Absolutely. that Jerry did was about everything. Brother, and we have five hundred. We have five hundred plus episodes. Right now, not one, not one did it's we ever scripted. write out script, Nothing. rehearse, ne right. not one episode. And that's not the one. best way to do it. Oh, absolutely. And we, and when I can fill, we do an hour show. Yes. Amelia and I can fill two hours, three oh, hours easily. by ourselves. Easy. Easily. Um, easily. While we're on again. the subject of <laughs> ad lib. <laughs> uh, let's take a look at this one. Oh, yeah. This is this is an act that looks diligently rehearsed. But if you watch the way Angelo and Phil did it on Saturday night, uh -huh. it was very clear that they put little to no rehearsal time and just had a freaking ball with this. <laughs> this is Carmen Miranda. Oh, wow. <laughs> Oh, that's the one in my house. It's the greats. Oh, yeah. I love that character. 
That's in the movies, you know that that was in a movie. Oh, I know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and uh, what's that, nice that is that I Miranda bit. Some people who don't know, I turned them on to it. Then I find out through an email or a text that they got from me. Oh, I just seen it now. I get it. I love. So yeah, it's like I'm introduce reintroducing these people. Uh, you know what? And that's another thing, Angela. Let's talk about that. There's a whole generation of Jerry Lewis fans. That are dying away. Because yeah. um, Jerry passed away at 91. He had a, a good, long, adventurous life. Uh, you know, the man survived two heart attacks. Uh, he went from being very thin to the engorged obese because of yeah. medicines he was taking. Right. Very large at one point. Um, they thought the medicine may kill him at, at some point. But the guy it was a survivor. For a long time, and and he again, you know, God gave him a, a really good, long, healthy life. Um, but there is a generation of uh, a fan growing up now that's just discovering Jerry through people like you, yeah, through yep. people like Tony Lewis, through yep. other impersonators and slash tribute artists, right? Um. And there and there are a growing number of Jerry's you and I will say this publicly for the world to hear Angelo Capone is the of the best of the best. No, thank you. And I've seen a lot of and here's yes. the thing. And and I don't know if you're even aware of it. I suspect you are aware of it. When you're having a conversation, when you and I were speaking Saturday night. Yeah. You sound like Jerry in your normal speaking voice. Yeah, people have been telling me that all my life. Yeah. Yeah. So that wasn't a put on. That's his regular voice. Yeah. I'll tell you who noticed it also. It's a dear friend of mine named Steve McCoy. He's uh, the country's foremost Tom Jones impersonator. And he's been on the show many times. Steve's a great guy. 
Um, and he says, I, I love this guy. He's talking about you. He goes, I love this guy. He's great. So I gave him your info. Oh, um, great. Beautiful. So you, and we'll talk after the show about that. I'm going to tell you why I gave him the info. Okay. Um, so what do you do now? How do you indoctrinate or introduce Jerry to this new, you know, this new population uh, that were very young when he passed? Uh, he's been going now how long? Probably five, six years, maybe? Yeah, 2017, he died. All right. So, yeah. So yeah. The, the six August years. Was yeah. So, well, uh, so how do you... Okay. How do you establish a relationship as the character to these people that, may, that many who don't know who he is or, or just peripherally know him? Well, this is what I, I how I allow this. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a critic of what's going on today. I don't like the entertainment field anymore. I don't think, like I said, stand-up is, you know, they're about telling stories. There's no more jokes. So what I do is I'm allowing what's failing or what's not as good or not classic. I allow it to come back to by itself. Yeah. I, in other words, I'm a type, listen, I want to get to California I'm going to get on that plane. I'm going to hit the train. I'm going to get the bus and I'm going to get where I got to go. So yeah. what that's telling me is I got to keep going. I have to just keep doing this character. And while these people are on the road of life, well, this ain't, you know, TV, we have 353 channels today and there's nothing on TV. Nothing. We have yeah, four remarkable. channels, two, four, seven, and nine. And we yeah. had the best entertainment ever. The best of the best. Absolutely. So I'm good. allowing it to come back itself. And where people, may they be middle-aged or young, even the old, are getting tired of seeing nothing. Hey, I'm going to watch that Jerry Lewis movie again. I'm going to watch it. And then they get re-familiarized about what he did. Now I come along. I'm yeah. on YouTube. I'm on social media. Oh, wow. That guy looks like and sounds like Jerry. Let me see. Why? Because that's what happened to me. Somebody would see me and say, hey, you know, I seen your YouTube. I seen this Jerry. look, And I just let it happen. Because do we have the power to go out there and, and get them to hear us? No. It's just the way of life. Everything comes back. You know, whatever was good. There's a saying, love always comes back. Well, the love of entertainment and classic music, uh, music and entertainment will come back because everything that's good always comes back. So I'm just allowing it to come back and I want to be right there when it happens. Amelia, questions for our remarkable, remarkable guest. That, Angela yeah, that is the best advice. What would you give someone advice that's wanting to get into what, like what you're doing? What would you give them advice? Don't. <laughs> no, no, no. You know what's so funny, Angela and Millie? I, I'm not. I, I'm not threatened by anybody. Uh -huh. Why? I. I, I said it before about being confident. And there's nothing I'm more confident than my drums and Jerry. That's all I have. I have a pair of cufflinks, and they're the same. They're on the yeah. level of being the same. Mm -hmm. I don't care. Who, listen. Between you and I, there's guys who robbed some of my stuff. Nobody does Carmen Miranda. It was robbed from me. 
I yeah. do be my I do be my love with Jerry pantomimes. What I did yeah. was I brought a woman, which <laughs> I brought your wife up last Saturday. Well, actually, it's funny you say that because that's the next clip up. <laughs> uh, so I brought her up. I, I've been seeing guys robbing what I do. People well, can I say like something? You, let let yeah. me stop you there for a second, Ange. I want to tell you something about that. Okay. If people are stealing from you, consider that a great sign. Consider that a compliment. That's yes. what I do, Angie. Absolutely. I, consider it, doesn't it a compliment. Me. Because doesn't people only me. steal from the best. Nobody yes. ever, Listen, and even if they do it better than me, I created it in the Kelp thing. Yeah. That's all I care about. You're their teacher. When it comes back, I created Be My Love, and I bring a woman up, and I sing to her. Yeah. Jerry just sang Be My Love in pantomime. I, yeah. I'm, I'm about the audience. I love being in the audience. Why? Here's the thing about that. And, yeah. and people uh, that are in the tribute business, I want you guys to hear me. Because there's a lot of tribute acts out there. There's a lot of impersonators out there. Exactly. I want you to listen very carefully to what I'm saying. Nothing that anybody does is really original. They just take what's out there and create an original form. Right. For example, Angelo Capone didn't invent Carmen Miranda, but he did something different with that character. Right. That no one else has done. Right. You just have to be creative. So if if you're stealing from people like Angelo and Phil, my boys are going to consider that a great compliment because you're only stealing from the best. Absolutely. And if you were if you had any originality, you wouldn't be stealing at all. So that in mind, let's take a look at said wife over here. (laughs) <laughs> Does she know you're showing this? And, and, and Ange, the, I told her I'm going to show the clip. Ange, remember, Ange, remember I came to you first and asked you first because oh god, I absolutely, never, brother. I, I you, always find the you, person. You got to understand something about me. I'm an old ham. From I've been in this business for 42 years. Okay, that's okay. a long time. Yes. All right. So, uh, so Anita, ahead and, of time, if if he's in the uh, doghouse, I know why. <laughs> yeah. Right. I've been in this business for 42 years. I've worked with people like Sammy Davis Jr., Frank Sinatra, Dean. Here she goes. Before we get to that, like I said, I've worked with these people. I've worked with some really big names: Bob Hope, George Burns. If people are stealing your shit, absolutely. That's. The, that is the five-star compliment of your career. Yeah. yeah. Let's take a look at this. Okay. My wife. Oh, 
Pitched it to Pat. Did you see that ham over there, you know, bowing? <laughs> Here's the funny part about that, Ange. Yeah. My wife is, you know, a, a bit taller than I am. She's a little, little taller than you. <laughs> Our head fits perfectly between her boobs. Great. <laughs> and I do that to her all the time. And when you stuck your head in between her boobs, I went, I did that. <laughs> I do that all the time. I you do let, let me let me just while we right there. Now you are watching it on film and yet you've seen it live. This is the difference between stand-up yes. and what we do. You have to see that live. The video doesn't justify what you see live. Oh, exactly. Absolutely. Well, I will tell you that bit was freaking hilarious. You see, when you do stand-up, all these big comics who are HBO specials. They're just talking. But oh, when you yes. do a skit like this, you got to catch every face of embarrassment that person is doing. Me putting a face of confusion. See, it's got to come, it's got to become real. And it's about the moment. Mm -hmm. So that's what's great about this type of comedy and this yeah. type of, it's got to be live the way we grew up seeing it live. We didn't have film. We didn't have HBO special. Oh, we no. had We no. had lounges. We had theater, yeah. we had stages, and we had night nightlife, and everything became unscripted, and what was going to happen was going to happen. Here's That's something that'll today. blow your mind. Yes. The, the, here's some Amelia. Mm -hmm. You're you're a little younger than, than Angie and I. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and it's no secret I'm 64. I just had my birthday. Um, yeah. Here's the thing about what Angelo was saying. And it's hard to imagine if you're not old enough to comprehend this. There was a time when you watch television that reruns didn't exist. Right. Mm -hmm. They every if it was live, it was live, and that was the end of it. 
And a lot of times you never, ever saw it again. Thankfully, give you a perfect example of what I'm talking about. The Colgate Comedy Hour, where Martin and Lewis busted cherry on America, right? Right. Uh-huh. Were it not for the original kinescopes, we would not have those shows. Nope. Because a lot of those kinescopes are gone. They deteriorated, not like videotape that'll last for a while. Right. Right. Okay? Right. Martin and Lewis would would have been a thing of the past had it not been for somebody having the foresight to say, we need to save this stuff. Yeah. And I'll tell you who was largely responsible for saving it. Jerry Lewis. That's right. That's right. Do you know what he invented? He invented the videotape. Yeah. That's right. Replay. Yeah. Uh uh, Yeah. Instant replay for film. So let's think about how much money he, he never had to work a day in his life with that. Nope. Everywhere mm-hmm. in the world is instant replay. Yeah. So think it, about that. I mean, how yeah. brilliant this. Now you say you understand the character. Me and Jerry are totally, he's a brilliant guy. I was dyslectic. I couldn't read. Here's a guy that could take a camera and put it, take it apart and put it back together. We are yeah. totally different people, but yet we share. He didn't act. It was, and mine was real. But it was yeah. the same character. And that's the beauty part of sharing. That's the beauty part of sharing. Amelia, questions for Ange? Yes, that, that's what I love about that. Because, you know, you could do that together and then do that. And then what I love about that is, are you? do you think you would ever come to Florida? That's what I was wondering. Because I would love to well, see a show I, like I was, that. In 2015, I was in a Rat Pack show with uh, Robert Cabela, Frank Frizzalone, and Gino Monroe. They were the Frank Dean and Sammy, and I was the special guest. And we, the first year that we were there, we were a hit. We turned down a thousand people. Wow. But yet, we were not marketed. Nobody knew how to market us. Nobody knew how to do anything. And then, for me, I was growing in my character, meaning I started to know how to add live more. I, I knew how I started to learn how to develop my character more, uh, bring in different things. So like be my love. Then I didn't bring up a person. My, right. uh, my common wasn't as, uh, as flamboyant. Like you could say, like for an example, uh, and seeing that I, when I come in, I make a guy walk me. Why? He's my, he's my prop. So, yeah. And what I do with audiences, everybody wants to be a part of the show even though they might be the most shy person in the world, but there's something about when you get pointed out, deep down you want to go do it. And there's nothing better than having everybody together. When Dean used to say with Frank, how did, when Dean used to say, how did everybody get my room? That's exactly what they did. They brought, yeah. they brought everybody in their room onto the stage. Well, that's what Absolutely. I'm trying to do. That's what I'm trying to do. And and it, it's very easy to do because once you keep the audience with you, they don't feel like they're out there. They feel like they're with you. And, and it starts a relationship. And that's yeah. what I want. I want a relationship for all the years that I didn't have one fi- trying to find a relationship because I yeah. never felt good enough for a relationship. Now it's about here I am. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Take me, take me for what I am. 
Angelo, let's talk about something. At the beginning of the show, I mentioned uh, Abbott and Costello, Martin and Lewis. I mentioned um, the Marx Brothers, the Rich Brothers, Three Stooges, um, uh, you know, uh, people like that, teams. Um, of course, you know, um, uh, Abbott and Costello being the most uh, uh, prominent of them. Um, and I, I'd say Martin and Lewis up there. As much as Dean Martin was considered a crooner and singer, right? He was an incredibly funny guy. He had a great sense of comedic timing. Um, are we ever going to see the comedy team come back again? Oh, I, I think so. I, I say give it time. Yes, I, I say give it time. I uh, miss those old comedy teams like oh, uh, like the, the yeah. Rich Brothers and the Marx yeah. Brothers. Um, well, the Laurel you know and yeah, Laurel and Hardy. What's great about me and Phil right now, we have an advantage because Evan Costello, uh, Marx Brothers, uh, they were uh, Laurel and Hardy. They were film artists. Yeah, Dean and Jerry was a lounge act. They were nightclubbers. And what people don't realize is that if it wasn't for Dean and Jerry, they, they wouldn't be the, the Atlantic City or the Vegas the way it is, how they introduced yeah. Lounge Act. So they did a film plus the Lounge Act all in one act. They could be the, the, the singing jokeman and then have this team of of interacting because having yeah. Costello is about interacting. Uh, oh yeah. Lord Hardy's about interacting, getting the punchline to each other. Oh, Dean definitely. and Jerry were two guys in a lounge and just truth. Their act was throwing things back, back and forth to each other. And the create, the greatest thing that what you just said is if it wasn't for Dean's timing and his comedy, yeah. Jerry would never be who he is. Got to understand True. when Jerry said to the uh, in the 500 club when he told the owner, "I got a guy we do things together." Jerry had no clue what he was talking about. Let's he talk about Dean that. As the handsome man, and he was the monkey. See, I don't look at Jerry as the monkey. Well, I want to stop but, you right there for a minute, Angie. I'm going to stop you right there because we're right. you're going in the very important territory. Okay, critical territory. Um. Okay. They met in Atlantic City, worked together for the first time at Skinny Tomato's uh, 500 Club. 500, right. Um, they worked together for exactly to the day, 10 years. Right. Okay. The, the I forget what it was, the date, but it was the exact same date that they joined that they broke up. July 24th, right. Yeah, yeah. July 24th, uh, 1946. Uh, 46 to 56. 46 to 56, yes. Right. And during that time, they had unprecedented success, the likes of which only rock stars of the time. Right. People like Elvis Presley, uh, Ricky Nelson, uh, Little Richard. Right. But Martin and Lewis, and if you think I'm kidding, folks, go onto YouTube and look. They are filmed in their hotel room in New York, signing pictures and throwing them out the window. My mother was there, Ange. Oh, did she catch a picture? <laughs> <laughs> My mother was there. So it was a big deal. 
Yeah. Was Bobby Sokka. My mother was That's Bobby what Sokka. I'm saying. Is that we're talking about I'm mean, people. I want you to listen to what we're talking about here. Angelo and I are talking about a singer and a comedian. Right. With right. rock star status. You listen to what I'm saying to you. Now, did Abbott do you Costello get that, that yet? Say again. Did Abbott Costello do that? Never. Not once. No. Not once. See the, see the, the advantage that me and Phil have? to bring this team to the forefront because we could sit there, we could stand there and do a song that Frank did, that Sammy did. Yeah. Costello didn't do that. The Marx no. Brothers didn't do that. Then turn around yeah. and do it yeah. now. So we have an advantage. We have Angelo will, right now. Will, Angelo, will the lounge acts ever come back? Oh, I yeah. think that I listen. I, you know, I'm optimistic. I really believe good entertainment, good. See, see what I call myself face to face. Yeah, <laughs> I like to be in front. I don't like texting. I don't like email. Yeah, number one because of my dislike. But I like to be in front of your face. You see what I do. I you, mm -hmm. and I see what you do. Absolutely, I I'm the same way. Amelia yeah. will tell you I'm the same way. Oh way. yeah, I, I got. I, I I hate the 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 text. I mm -hmm. hate the messengers. Like, get on to StreamYard or Skype or something. Get mm -hmm. on the Zoom and, and talk to me. That's I how we do our to... meetings, too. We, now, we yeah, that's like how this. we do our now, meetings. Now, Edge, mm -hmm. Edge, COVID did us a wonder. See, I always look at the, I'm the guy that looks at the glass half full. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. COVID did us a favor. Yes, it did. Because it made us realize how we could be locked up. We were born to to be free and to go be on a journey and search and 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 go develop. That COVID shut us down. So what it did, it brought me to say, I got to go find a dean. I got to get into my act because when we're gonna be like cattle, let it out of the out of the barn, and we're gonna go run like stallions. These made people realize. I want to go out and be face-to-face -face with people again. I yeah. want to go enjoy entertainment. I want to go back to the restaurants. I, it's simple as people want to be entertained every day of their life. Oh, absolutely. We need to bring I that spent, back again. Yeah, I spent a lot of time um, in Atlantic City. I also lived in Las Vegas for quite some time. One of the things that I thrived on I'm an entertainment junkie, and I will just tell everybody straight up. Right. I'm an entertainment junkie. I love the lounge. I love watching undiscovered talent, and that's where you find a lot of undiscovered talent in the lounge. Right. right. You also find a lot of older acts that have lost their lost their spotlight, you know, in a manner of speaking. Um and then you've you've got lounge acts that have made a career of being a lounge act. Right. In Las Vegas, there's a guy from Philadelphia. He went out there and never looked back. His name is Cookie Jar. Okay. Came came from Philadelphia with a band called You're Gonna Love This One, Cookie Jar and the Crumbs. <laughs> that's, I'm, that's creative. That's a good it, creative if you name. Think I'm, and wait a minute. Now, Cookie Jar went from being the lead singer of a rock band called Cookie Jar and the Crumbs to now, for like five years in a row, he's the Las Vegas Entertainer of the Year. I'm not can't even make this wow. stuff up. Well, God bless him. You can't make this stuff up. No. 
And that's a guy that works the lounge of all things. Okay. Right. right, And, but the lounge, COVID did wonders for the entertainment business, but it also killed the lounge acts. Yeah. Now headliners are struggling for people to work with. Right. Right. Okay. And think I about know you. people that are headline acts that can't, that haven't worked in two years. And 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 the the headliners are dying out. So who who's yeah. up in the rear? Guys like me. Well, look at look at the. Let's prove your point. Let's prove Angelo Capone's point. Wayne Newton is done. His yeah. voice is gone. Gone. Tom Jones is gone. Gone. And, okay. And, and, there's and, no and, more Siegfried and Roy. There's no more Norm Crosby. There's no more uh, Jerry Lewis. Dean Mar- Sammy's gone. There's no more um, Joey Bishop. They're they're, they're gone. They're That's gone. why they're bringing in you country never, singers. You mm-hmm. will never, ever, ever see that level of no. entertainment again in my lifetime. Anyway. No. And, and you know it's what I love. I love my stand-up comedian, female and male, but they're not a lounge act. It's not the same. They're not the no. same as the Buddy Hackett's that were no. out there. Oh the, my God! The, yeah, the, they're not this Jam Murray. They were a totally different breed. You know, they 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 looked to the Sammys and Franks and Deans while they did their thing. Yeah, and they knew how to. Cuffling them themselves. And oh God! Make, yeah, make that stage come alive. I met Jan Mary. It's funny that you mentioned Jan Mary. I met him. Uh, I didn't realize he was like nine feet tall. Yeah. That was, he was I, a tall guy. I drove him. You know, that's that's the other blessing I had. You know, I had another blessing. Right. Uh, uh, when I was, I when I was thirty years old, I lost my. I used to build airplanes for the government. Right. And I, I lost my job and my very dear friend who passed said he worked. He had a percentage in a limousine company. And he said, Ange, until you find out what you want to do, because I had a, yeah. I had a brand. I had a baby. Why don't you come work with me in the limo? Now, here I am dyslectic. I got to figure out how to do maps. By the grace of God, I don't know how I did it, especially having uh, uh, put on the phone and, and the phone takes you where you got to go. Those days we had to figure out. How to get around the corner? You know? <laughs> yeah, right. And and the first time he when I got in there and was like four weeks down the road, he goes, "And you know, we deal with celebrities, and you know, you have a way about yourself." And I was like, "Okay." He says, "This is what you're going to do for me. You're not going to wear a black suit. You're not going to you're not going to be that chauffeur. You're going to wear. I want you to get dressed because I like getting dressed." I said, "Okay," which helped me in my confidence level because. Yeah. I, I was addressed. I did that to make me feel better about myself. So I, you know, was doing that. And then the first trip around, I got a call from him. Said, "I right, come in early tomorrow. You're going to Teterboro. Get ready. You're going to pick up Barbara Sinatra." And I went, "Did you say Sinatra?" <laughs> they said, "Yes. You're picking up Barbara Sinatra, and she's going to come in with four women because she had a children's." Uh, fundraiser she was big with saving children from sicknesses and all that and yes. earning money so she said she wants somebody that's going to help her with the four women who are very wealthy coming from texas and you're the guy i was like oh my god what are you doing to me i'm a wreck i'm a wreck 
So here I go to Teterboro. She comes off the plane. She says, you, Angelo? I said, yes, Mrs. Sinatra. She says, Angelo, you're going to help me get these women to spend money. Right there. <laughs> I said, you got it. She, she, she brought me to, we were on the same level. She didn't treat it. She didn't talk to me like she was Frank Sinatra's wife. She talked to me like, listen, yeah. we got a job. And mm-hmm. I swooned these four women for three days before that fundraiser that it was incredible. And the beautiful part about it was it was in the Hyde Hotel that Trump owned and the parking lot was up on the roof. And here I'm in the, everybody's in the parking lot. The place is buzzing. Number one, Trump came up, gave us food, and he put up a TV so we could watch a basketball game. So that's something about I like what he did because he never forgot about people. An hour later, here comes Barbara Sinatra, comes knocking on the window. And I went, oh, my God. She said, no, no, said Angelo, don't, don't, you know, it's okay. I just want to know, get this, guys, if you're okay. I looked. I was doing Jerry. I was like, me? You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm fine. You okay? I'll come down whatever you want me to do. I'll uh-huh. grab the women. I'll put them on the seat. I don't care. So here I was. Real. Well, I'll tell you what it did for me. It made me, it made me understand. And I don't mean this ego because I'm not about ego. I felt like I'm okay to be with entertainers. That's who I really want to be. That's who I always wanted to be was an entertainer. Yeah. Then I get a call and my friend goes, put Uncle Sal on. Now, you know, we grew up uncles. Everybody was Mm -hmm. uncles and aunts in the the neighborhood. Put Uncle Sal on. And there's my father. Yeah, okay. Okay, (laughs) Anthony. Okay, Anthony. My father turns to me and goes, let me just tell you something. You're picking up somebody. If you ruined this, never come home again. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> Who did I pick up? I picked up Dean Martin. Wow. Now, Dean Martin, if anybody knows about Dean Martin, and you could go Google it, he had a phobia of heights. He didn't get on yeah. an elevator until the 80s. Do you hear oh, what I'm wow. saying? wow. When he entertained, he went in Teterboro, and he was with Frank. His whole life was going from his home from a helicopter to the top of the roof of the MGM on a helicopter because it landed wow. and picked up land, no coming in and land, none of that. So now mm-hmm. he says to me, you're going to go pick up Dean because his son and Dorothy Hamill are doing a fundraiser in Radio City. There's going to be Benny Goodman's the band, and Sammy's going to pop in, and, and oh, Dean's going to do, <laughs> oh, do it for his son. Now, the joke about it was, Dean Jr. says to Dean, you think you could ask Frank to come this? And he says, what do you mean, Frank? What am I? He goes, but Pop, you don't, you know, you don't, you don't fly. <laughs> so now, I get the call. I'm going to go pick him up. Am I picking him up at Teterboro? No. I'm picking them up at the American Airlines. I went, oh. American <laughs> Airlines? Okay. Now, there was a guy, a Jamaican guy, who had the uh, American Airlines limo uh, garage, like a spot just for the limos outside. Yeah. Heavy Jamaican guy, heavy accent making, uh, from Jamaica. I said, listen, I'll just bullshit this guy. I'll make him <laughs> like, I got to get this car. We got to really do this right. So I say, Mike, listen. My uncle's a big star, and this is my job. I got to impress him. He goes, well, who, who is he? Not thinking he's going to know. You know, he's going to know the guys with the, that are hitting cans and doing Jamaican music. 
He says, Demon. He goes, oh, my family loves Demon. I went, oh, here I go. I just started out lying to this guy. Meanwhile, I get the car as close as I can. He comes. They fly in to the baggage. I'm at the baggage picking up Dean Martin. When that door opened, guys, it was like the Red Sea opened. The whole flight <laughs> was walking with him. When he stopped, 200 people stopped. I am standing there in, in an awe of, of, I thought I was in odds. I went, Ange, do you see what you're looking at? This guy, number one, is on American Airlines. He's picking up his bags. The guy's picking up his bag. Meanwhile, the guy who's his bodyguard looked like a dentist. He didn't look like anybody. Uh, such a nerd. Because he didn't he didn't like that look. You know, the, the wise guy look and all that. Yeah. And all these people that walk with him, they're loving him. Now, he comes up to me. The guy behind me goes, uh, Mr. Martin will tell you, you know, he'll, he's going to talk to you. And I was like, oh, my. Meanwhile. I just, I, I, I needed, let me just say, I need another pair of underwear. And, and oh, God, you're right. I, I, I'm looking at this man, he's six foot, I'm five, seven. I'm looking at him staring up and I'm like, what a handsome guy. He, he was in his, this is 1983. He was already in his sixties. He was yeah. so, he was, he had charisma. That was, oh, he was a great looking yeah. guy. Now. Oh yeah. Turns around. Now guys, get get into this now. Here I am. Dyslectic little confidence little boy. I'm 30 years old. I don't know. I, I don't even know if I had my shoes on right. Dean goes to me. Listen, Ange. I do you hear what he just said? Ange! He didn't call me Ange. Well, <laughs> I didn't hear one word he said. Oh my god. He just called me Ange. The demon just called me Ange. I'm the fan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, Mr. Martin. And he put a face on when every time I say Mr. Mont in that in that waiting period, we're waiting for bags. Here's a guy you didn't have to wait for bit. We're waiting for bags. Demont, we're waiting for bags. I'm standing there going every time I said Mr. Mont, he would give he shake his head like this. So we get to the car. He said goodbye to at least thirty people at the car, signing autographs. The best thing I I remember one woman goes, "Boy, you look better in person." He goes, "Why? You think I was dead?" I'm, I'm, I gotta look. I look okay, and that always stayed with me. Now we get in the car. I am a wreck. I'm driving. All I'm thinking about is I'm gonna hit a light pole. Uh, I'm on the highway. Someone's gonna walk in front of me. This is where I see deer go cross. I, 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 I'm. But what I did was I pulled the mirror. I had to look at it, and I'm driving. I'm on the Van Wick, and I'm just looking at him. All of a sudden, I go, uh, Mr. Martin. He goes, Don't call me Martin. Call me Dean. So as a joke, now I would never do Jerry. And in those days, you never were personal. You were a driver. It was about business. Yeah. And I would never do Jerry. I said, okay, Mr. Martin. He laughed because I, he said, call me Dean. I said, Mr. Martin. I said, Sinatra's waiting for you with, listen to this. Sinatra's waiting for you with Kirk Douglas and Gregory Peck. What, what, what a bunch of guys to meet, right? <laughs> what does Dean Martin say to me? Ange, listen to me, Ange. I ain't meet nobody. You know what's going on tonight? I said, no, Mr. Mark. They, the Mets are playing the Dodgers. <laughs> I'm going to have a pizza, and I'm going to go watch the ball game. Everybody thinks he was this party guy. He was nothing. Nope. I had him for four days. All we did was drive to a restaurant and drive back. He did the fundraiser. 
The next morning, he was gone. That was it. Now, I'm going to give you a little something. When we got to the Waldorf, Sinatra's room was on the 33rd floor. He had the whole floor. Yeah. You know that he walked halfway and then took the elevator the rest. Wow. Wow. Yeah, his phobia. And in... Oh. Oh, where'd you go, Inge? What happened? Oh. I can't hear him. Can you hear him? Yeah. Yeah, Ange. I can't hear his mic. And your microphone. And Ange. He won't. Yeah. Ange. He can't hear. Mm-mm. Oh, shit. Oh, man. Ange, your your microphone. Hold on. Hold on. Your, can you hear us? He, he won't stop. Mm-mm. Ange, can you? Angelo, can you hear us? He can't hear us. I might want to message him. I can't hear you. Yeah, we're back. There, there you go. go. It, was, it was very easy to me to be around these people because I just felt it, yeah. was, it was my world. I That's the world I was going into. You know, and I drove a lot. Burt Reynolds, Dom DeLuise, uh, Paul Anka. And he's still oh, alive. God, yeah. You know, I, I got his book. I thought maybe I'd be in the book, you know, driving. <laughs> you know? But it was, it, it was the world that this younger generation has yeah. missed. They I'll missed tell it. you what, uh, I, I, I encourage everyone, mm-hmm. uh, if uh, Angelo Capone and Phil Solis come to a town near you, go and, see them. If yeah, Angelo especially Florida appears by Florida. himself anywhere, go see him. Yes. I encourage you. They, uh, the two guys together are remarkable. They are as equally entertaining separately as they are together. And I want you to tell everybody um, where they can reach you, how they can book you. Uh, we have we went an hour and a half tonight. Wow. Yeah. Yes. That's remarkable. Uh, they need to tell I, everybody I, where I they appreciate can appreciate that. I appreciate that. Oh, brother, any time for you. Tell everybody where they can get a hold of you. Well, they could get me face to face production 611 at gmail.com and they could get me there. And Martin and Lewis39 at gmail.com to get us both together. And I'm on Facebook. Just look Angelo Capone as Jerry Lewis. And you can catch me on YouTube. Angelo Capone as Jerry Lewis. And you'll see like 50 different characters on there. Oh, yeah. And you could also go to Face to Face Productions. And that's people I, I worked with that are on that video on that YouTube channel as well. Fantastic. I will tell everyone um, it's a very user-friendly website. Check it out, face-to-faceproductions.com. And Angelo Capone uh, can be reached on Facebook. You can also get Angelo through my page. Um, if you can't find him, I will uh, I will hook you up with Angelo. Thank and you. if you're interested in booking him for a corporate or private party, or if you have an event coming up and you need a Jerry Lewis or Jerry Lewis and Dean Martin, let us know. 
Yes. I can uh, I can definitely hook you up on that regard. Um, I'll tell you what, the big things are happening for you, and good things are on their way. Yes, I believe that. I believe uh, and that. so do I, brother. So do Absolutely. I. I will tell everybody we have um, next week. We've got an interesting week coming up, and then I go on vacation, and Amelia, you're all by yourself. Uh huh. Very good. <laughs> I just want to thank you both for having me and sharing my story. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely, brother. Any, any time whatsoever. I want to tell everybody, um, uh, join us each and every Tuesday and Thursday night at 7. We are available on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We are on Vimeo. We are on every single, literal, every single podcast platform in the world. We are a global brand. You can find us literally everywhere. And we are on more than 320 radio stations around the world. world for angelo capone for amelia the pitbull jetman i'm angelo mad dog the Scipio. take care everybody we'll see you next week bye-bye the following program contains